We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Amen. Last week I preached on this series I've continued from 2019, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I believe today in our generation, we just need truth. There's a lot of things that are going around that are not truth. They're based on tradition. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16 says this, For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Last week I preached this verse, and I preached part one, Be holy. And I talked about how intimidating that was for me because I was raised with a lot of tradition that the external was what had to be holy. I don't know if any of you were raised that way. I was. It was all the things you can't do. You can't do. You can't do. And I talked about how it was really leveraged toward the women more so than the men. They had a lot more things to match up to. But we found in Mark seven thirteen, which has been the foundational verse through all this series, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. And so I believe the word of God gets watered down. It becomes that which is ineffective because our traditions, the way we've always done it, take authority over the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so last week I preached about be holy. This week I want to give it the second verse. Be holy. Why? Because I am Holy. I am holy. If I were to ask most of you this morning to fill in the blank, and I gave you this statement, God is, I believe most of us would say love. God is love. God is love. But I, I want you to understand that when you do an ontological study of God, which is a study of the being of God, the being of God, His nature, who He is, you'll find out that when you do that study, you do not find that God is love. You find that God is holy. He is holy. That is His nature. That is His being. Part of His character is that He loves because He is holy. Now, we love because we are holy. God is in us. We talked about it last week. It's not our actions that make us holy. It is God's actions through His Son, Jesus Christ, who sanctifies, who purifies, who justifies. I read it last week. And it also God's work through Jesus Christ who causes us to be holy because He is holy and He dwells in us. It is not the way we act or the way we look or the way we dress or the way we talk that makes us holy. God is holy. He dwells in us. We are holy. Now because of that holiness... It does affect our character because our being has been changed. We are now holy, the righteousness of God, and because of that, our character begins to change. There's an old song we used to sing, that old-time religion makes me love everybody, right? Love everybody. That's our character changing because our nature has been changed. And so if we want to understand God and His nature, we don't understand that His nature is love, his nature is holy. God is holy. God is a God 
that we want to think about today of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. We want that, don't we? All of us want that. And that is being preached with bucket loads onto the churches. And God is love. God is mercy. God is grace. And God is forgiving. Because of that teaching being so predominant, we now feel like that we can come to God and just want God to be a part of our life when it is convenient for us, when it benefits us. It's almost like God is now a vending machine and you walk up and you go, okay, God, today I'm going to need some mercy. I'm going to need some grace. I'm going to need some forgiveness. I'm going to need some love. Oh, yeah, and I need some money. Oh, and I need a car and a house and a dog and a cat and go on. And we just keep on going. And we want God to be there for us. And I got to tell you, his nature is he's faithful. The problem comes in is when God comes into your life, he doesn't just show up to do for you. He messes with everything. Every part of your life. He wants to mess with the way you think. He wants to mess with the way you talk. He wants to mess with the people you hang out with. He wants to mess with where you go. He wants to mess with your job. He wants to mess with your money. Every part of your life. Why? Because God is holy. And we learned last week that holiness is about being whole, right? God is whole and complete. He does not need us to be holy. We need God to be holy, but God does not need us. God is complete. That word holy means to be set apart. God is set apart above and beyond all other gods. There is no other God like him. He is set apart separate. And we too, once we receive him as Lord and Savior, we are set apart from all the rest of the world who has not received Christ. And I talked last week, the word says we are to be peculiar. I told you I was raised with a bunch of really peculiar people. They weren't peculiar in a good way. They were peculiar in a crazy way because they drove people away from God. They drove people away from church and they put such a condemnation upon me that I could never achieve being holy. I beat myself up every week. I come to church and go, I'm not holy. I thought the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I, I just cannot do this. How do they do it? And I've come to find out they didn't do it either. They didn't do it either. I come to find out that it was just a bunch of tradition. And so we want a God that gets watered down. So we love talking about love, mercy, forgiveness, all those things. But when we talk about holy, it kind of scares us. God is holy. When we talk about God is righteous, we get a little nervous because we are to be righteous people. Holy people. When we talk about judgment, we get a little nervous about that because we don't want to know God as a judge because we got a lot of things that we like to do and want to do and we don't want a judge showing up. But last week I preached about how that God imputes his holiness into our lives. God is holy. Holy is beyond our comprehension. He is an infinite God, and we have finite minds that we have parameters, we have 
places that it stops. And it's hard for us to understand uh, eternity and the beginning and the end and all that. The Alpha, the Omega, and God was before Genesis 1 and He will be there after Revelation is over. And, and we have a hard time conceptualizing holy. And then it's really hard for us to say we are holy. But today I want to talk about a holy God. Paul says, today we are living a life and we see him through a glass dimly. The, the, what we see of God is, is dim of what he really is. But he said, one day we will see him how? Face to face. Isn't that awesome? I can't wait for that moment. Because we understand, yeah. God, I'm ready. And some people go, I don't want to see him face to face. I'm not ready. Well, how can you get ready? You get God, you and God get together and get ready. Today's the day to get ready. Not tomorrow, not yet today. And so we want to get face to face because Paul also says that we are now a reflection of God to this world. So when people see us, our lives, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, our attitudes, all those things, we are to reflect God and His holiness, so we are to be light in a world of darkness. That's why we're peculiar, because you make a decision on Sunday morning not to sleep in. You get up and come to church. You make a decision to let God be a part of your finances. That, that's not the norm in the world. You make a decision to let God be a part of your dating life, to let God be a part of your marriage, to let God be a part of your job, to let God be a part of all the things you do socially. That's not the norm. So that's what makes us peculiar. We are light in a world filled with darkness. And we need to let the light of God shine and reflect from our faces. The Bible tells us that sin must be paid for. Sin has a wage. And the wage of sin is what? Death. Jesus Christ on the cross paid the debt for you and me. We don't have to pay the debt. We're not going to be held accountable. He reconciled our statement and he said, you know what? Debt free. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. I thank God be debt free. Woo. How many of you are debt free physically and financially? <laughs> I will I, I, I get there one day, but not today. Man, I can't get debt free. I'm working on it. But when I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I have no red numbers except the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have been set free from all the debt of the wages of sin. I've been justified just as if I never have sinned. In his presence, I am holy. I'm holy. And so we reflect that character in our character because of his being holy. Now, we look at a man by the name of Isaiah and Miss Terry, when you read that verse, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whenever Miss Karen was leading us in worship, some of the songs, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I love the Holy Spirit, how he works things out. We've got a man by the name of Isaiah. How many of you know Isaiah? Big time prophet. Woo! Major man of God. And you know what he was really good at? Pointing out the sins in everybody else's life. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have met a bunch of people who could see all my faults <laughs> and point them back at me. Well, I tell you what, preacher, you need to do this and this and this. And you're, oh, boy, I've got a lot of Isaiahs sometimes in my life. I mean, they come speaking tongues and right in your face. <laughs> 
I tell y'all, when they start doing that, I'm toast, man. I'm done, you know. But they're good at pointing out sins in other people's lives and yet somehow don't see anything wrong with themselves. And so Isaiah, if you read chapter 5 of Isaiah, I'm just going to read a few verses. Isaiah 5, 11, he's got a bunch of whoa, whoa. You ever had anybody go, whoa? You need to whoa. You need to stop because you got some problems. I'm fixing to tell you what they are. Here's what Isaiah did. He said, Woe to those who rise early in the morning and run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. So he's preaching right there. Whoa. Verse 21, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He, oh, you guys got problems. Look at verse 22 and 23. Woe to those who are heroes that drink wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe. Give me some money, you might be set free. And who deny justice to the innocent. You see, Isaiah was good at giving woes to everybody else. But we're going to see in just the very next chapter what happens. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Whew! That's a massive revelation. No longer through a glass dimly, Face to face, I saw the Lord. He was high and he was exalted. He was seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And if you read it, the whole place was full of smoke. Who you know that God likes special effects? When God shows up, boom, here I am. I am here. Fill the house, fill the temple full of smoke. I mean, I'm sure there were some laser lights going on, thunders and lightning. <laughs> I am here. That's the way God shows up. He doesn't show up whenever... I mean, there's two revelations of God in the Word. One in Isaiah and one in the book of Revelation. That's why it's called the Revelation. John the Revelator said, I saw the Lord. And both men had the same experience. Look at verse 2. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying. Woo! Can you imagine what he's seeing? I mean, just close your eyes for a second and just think about it. These huge creatures with these wings over their eyes, over their feet, and you hear, with the wings flapping. These are massive, massive creatures. He sees the Lord high and lifted up on the throne. And he sees these seraphim there. And the seraphim, verse 3, were calling to each other. And here's what they were saying. Love, love, love. No. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. No. Mercy, mercy, no. Those are the characteristics of God. They are calling out the nature and being of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Can you imagine? I mean, this is not the angels showing up. They showed up at the birth of Jesus. I mean, just a little multitude of them showed up. But this is not even the angels. This is just the created beings called the seraphims. And they're crying out to each other, Holy, holy, holy! And the ones over here on this side of the throne would reply, Holy, holy, holy! And they are continually 
circling the throne of God right now. They're crying out to each other, holy, holy, holy. Can you imagine Isaiah put in that position? Wow. When the writer in the Hebrew language wants to emphasize something, they repeat it three times. In other words, Isaiah is saying, I cannot communicate to you in Hebrew what I'm trying to tell you I saw and I heard. It is beyond human language. In John the Revelator, he would say things like this. And there was a multitude of voices. There were thousands upon thousands because that was the largest number they had at that time in Greek. What he was trying to say is, I cannot calculate, I cannot fathom how many there are. And, and, and Isaiah is trying to tell you, I cannot begin to communicate how loud, how awesome, how huge this presence of God is. But he is the Lord God and I love this part almighty he felt the power of God as he was there in his presence he is almighty God and he is holy 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 that's a repetition he's trying to say I cannot begin to communicate to you so I don't care today how much your mind can imagine it cannot even begin to comprehend the infinite God that you and I serve today the infinite God who blew all the mystery out of the fact that he is God almighty seated on the throne he uses the earth as a footstool and yet that same God dwells inside of me and dwells inside of you and you are the temple of God hallelujah you are holy you are holy because he is what holy and here's what Isaiah said all y'all got problems no <laughs> he said at the sound of their voices the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was full of smoke the Bible says that in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But those of us that stand upon the word of God, we shall not be moved. We shall not be shaken. Don't you love it that God shows up and goes, let me just show you how stable the house is without me. And he's shaking the place. So, so I think some of us need to get a little shook up today. Some need, you need some of the things in your life to be shaken, to realize, hey, you're not the one in charge anymore. You, you, can't, you can't provide for yourself without God helping you. You can't think for yourself without God. You can't even take a breath without God giving you that breath today. Come on, we need to get some things shaken and going, well, look at what I am and what I do and no, no, no. Look at what God is doing inside of me today. Look at what God has allowed me to have. He's given me a wife. He's given me children. Grandchildren, God did that. I have a home to sleep in. I've got a car to drive. I got clothes to wear. I didn't do that. God gave that to me because I honor God with everything inside of me because he dwells in me. What a mystery. What a mystery. Everything that could be shaken I got to tell you, I'm praying this is not a normal Sunday morning service. I pray that God shake every one of you. And if there's something in your life that's not built upon the word of God, may it collapse and fall. And you begin to trust him in that area of your life. Because we need a foundation that even though it's shaken, we shall not be moved. 
We've got to have some people that are convinced that God and God and God alone is my truth, is my hope, is my present help in time of trouble. I'm not running to anywhere else. I'm running to God who's going to help me with everything I need. Isaiah, John the Revelator both says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as to love children. We are to imitate God. We are to act like, live like, talk like, be a reflection of God to this generation. And I got to tell you, this generation needs God. This generation needs a revelation of God that he's not a vending machine you come over when it's convenient and say, I want this and this and this. But on Friday night, Saturday night, whatever night it is, I don't want that. I'm walking over here to this. We can't have light and darkness in the same place. We can't have fresh water and salt water. We got to sell out to God. We got to be all in. We got to give it everything we got. We got to say, God, I'm all in with you. I'm not going to try to live on both sides of the street. We got to be holy. We got to be representing 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It says be holy, present. Every time it's present in your life, be that way. Living a holy life, reflecting God's character. Now look at Isaiah 6, 5 through 7. Then I said, woe to all the people in this nation. <laughs> no, Isaiah said what? Woe to me. Woe to me. Woe to me, for I am ruined. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And this is the major prophet Isaiah, a man of God. And he's been preaching and he's been woeing everybody else. But when you get into the presence and the being of God, God doesn't deal with anybody else but you. When I get in the presence of God, God's not dealing with the church. God's dealing with me. I don't go around pointing fingers at anybody else. All of a sudden, God's finger gets pointed at me. And I say, God, what do I need to clean up in my life? What do I need to change? Maybe it's attitude. Maybe it's sincerity. Maybe it's vision. I don't know. Different times are different things. God is constantly working on me, constantly fixing me because I need to be continually worked on. I don't know about you, but it seems like once I get all the eggs in the basket, there's another one way over there somewhere. I can't seem to get it all together all at the same time because I get all of this together, then God all of a sudden starts working on something else. I'm like, what? I thought we had all this together. And he goes, yeah, but I got a whole bunch of stuff lined up as soon as you have time to get in my presence. Yeah. The problem is we don't like getting into the presence because it deals with us. We don't get to point our fingers at anybody else. He said, I am ruined. I am unclean. When you get into the presence of a holy God, all you realize is how much you're not as holy as you thought you were. I've seen a lot of people good at pointing fingers at everybody else. You know what I found about those people? They're usually the ones who wind up in the worst trouble. They're usually the ones who wind up falling away from God and then not even going to church later on in life. I found that to be true because they're so much better than everybody else. But when I get into God's presence, it's all about 
me. Nobody else. And here's what Isaiah said. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe to me. Isaiah 5 was woe to everybody else. I mean, I get, I, he was probably one of those preachers that come in, you know, fired up. I'm going to preach, a, I'm going to get all y'all today. <laughs> I'm going to name it. I'm going to get you. And then all of a sudden, Isaiah 6, whoa, 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 what? What? Me? Yeah. It's not, it's not about anybody else. It's about you and God. That's it. Nobody else. When we get a revelation of God in our lives, we will not be woeing others. God will woe you. He'll stop you in your tracks. And everything in your life will get shook up. In His presence, your weakness, your faults, your sins are revealed to you. In His presence, He doesn't deal with anybody else but you. You ever been in that service to where the speaker is talking just to you and nobody else? I've been there. I'm like, that guy's talking straight to me. And I know everybody in this place is looking at me going, it's you. It's you. I know. I know it's me. If he'd stop talking, I'm running to the altar as fast as I can because I got a woe just happening in my life. Wonder why Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why did he say that first? Why was that the first thing God revealed to him? I believe it's because the Bible says that from the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. So I believe Isaiah was really saying, I really do have a heart problem. My heart needs to get right. Maybe he was preaching things for the wrong reason. We've got a lot of preachers today preaching for the wrong reason. Well, I don't want to preach about judgment. I don't want to preach about holiness. I don't want to preach about all, because I don't want people to run off. I want them to come to the presence of God. So I'm going to preach on nothing but love and mercy and grace. Listen, I'm all about love and mercy and grace because I get it every day. Brand new mercies every morning are given to me and given to you. I thank God for that. But you know what really gets me? It's when I get into his presence and I understand the holiness of God and the challenge he's given to me to be holy. And I believe Isaiah said, you know what? My heart's not right and my mouth has just been proving it. Yeah. Your words, your mouth, your attitude, it reveals your heart. I know you've not ever seen this or heard this, but I've run into some very critical Christians. Nobody in here. You've probably never met one. But as a preacher, I met a bunch of them. They got a critical spirit, and I think they need to have a woe, but I'm not the one to tell them. But boy, if I was. <laughs> I wish God would give me the, the ministry of woeing, don't you? But no, I don't have it. Isaiah 6, 6 through 7 says this. Then the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Listen, we do not have degrees of sin. Sin is sin. I mean, I've had people tell me through the well, at least I'm not as bad as her. At least I'm not as bad as him. Listen, sin has no degrees to it. Sin is sin. And guess what? God hates sin. The Word of God says this. God hates sin. 
And we as Christians are to hate sin, but we are to love the person. Love the person, but hate the effects that the enemy has brought into their life. And to help them get to this place where Isaiah's at, to where his guilt is taken away. Can you imagine how Isaiah left the presence of God? Man, his mouth was on fire, literally on fire, and he's ready to preach. I, I believe he may have gotten a hold of Jeremiah's notes, he said, because Jeremiah said, this word of God's like a fire, and it's shut up inside my bones. When I get into the presence of God, I come out of there fired up. I come out ready to preach. I come out ready to give the word of God in truth, not tradition, but truth. Why? Because I've just been in his presence and I got good news for you he touched the coals to my lips he'll touch them to yours and your guilt can be gone as far as the east is from the west and it's a wonderful thing to be guilt free all of you that are guilt free here today come on give God a hand clap of praise hallelujah thank you Lord people often ask me why do you get so loud preaching I don't know my wife can tell you I am not loud in any other area of my life. But when God's presence gets inside my bones and I've got truth, good news. I, I don't have just good news. I've got great news. Your guilt can be gone. Your guilt can be taken away. Why? Because he'll take his presence and put it in your life and burn away all the dross. Your guilt can be gone. And then it says your sins are atoned for. Isn't that awesome? I don't know what it means, but it's awesome. No, I do know what it means. To be atoned, to be atoned, it means that we, it's right there in the word, we are at one with God. That means I can say I am holy, not because of what I do, but because God has atoned for my sins through Jesus Christ on the cross. God has made it to where I am now at one holy, W-H-O-L-E-Y, if you want to spell it that way. I am whole because God has completed me. I am no longer without. I am now whole. I have been separated. I am now at one with God. And when God is for you, who can be against you? I think the writer of Romans kind of got into the presence of God when he says, hey, when the enemy comes to try to charge me, there's nothing to charge me for. Everything's been justified. Everything's been atoned for. My guilt is gone, and he doesn't even show up in court. My father says, I am free. I am free indeed because truth sets me free. Come on, somebody give him praise in this house. He is holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My guilt is gone. My sins are atoned for. I am at one. They were nailed to the cross for me. Amen. Isaiah 6, 8 says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying. Can you imagine that voice? Booming. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. <laughs> send me. You see, I've only heard this verse preached when we're sending out missionaries. Every time we had a missionary service, I knew that the speaker was going to use this verse. Here am I, send me. And we prayed over the missionaries and we sent them to foreign countries. And that is not what this is talking about. It is not talking about missionaries. It is talking about you and me right here today. And I love it that Isaiah didn't just say, here am I, here I am. 
Present. Remember when you had to do that in school? They'd call out your name, you had to holler present. I'm glad Isaiah just didn't say present. I think a lot of people would have said that. I'm here at church. I made it to church. Here I am. But then Isaiah said, send me. Send me. I'm not just here. I want you to use me. I want you to send me. I want you to take me as a prophet and change me. Change me. Change me into somebody who doesn't leave this place woeing everybody, but change me into somebody that preaches truth, that gets rid of tradition, that destroys things in people's lives, that have them condemned, and gives them truth and gives them the fire of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have a holy God dwelling in us, and we call it the Holy Spirit. And we are not to just come to church and hear the word of God and enjoy all the benefits of God when it's convenient in our life. But we are here today. We are called by God to be sent forth. We are to be the Isaiahs of today. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And guess what they did? They didn't stay shut up. They left out and they were scattered preaching what? Truth, truth, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were called apostles. Apostles meant they were sent ones. Guess what God wants to do to every person in this house today? He wants to say to you, every one of us, where are you? And we say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And then he wants to hear us say the next words, send me. Send me. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager. Doesn't matter if you're a child. Doesn't matter if you're an adult, a grown adult, a senior adult. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we allow God to send us. He needs our permission. He needs our permission. I got a call this week from a young lady who was so pumped because God, through the Holy Spirit, challenged her to speak out at her workplace. And her workplace had been a place of not receiving uh, what she's been talking about. But this week, God just impressed upon her and she spoke. And it was not only received, it was well received. And all the people that had not been receiving it, now all of a sudden their hearts received. And so she calls me on the way, you're not going to believe what happened to work today. Praise God. Why? Because she's being sent to a place that needs a reflection of God to give them light, to give them hope, to give them joy, to give them truth of the nature of God, that He's a holy God and that He loves us, but He wants us to be in His presence and burn a fire inside of us that says, I can't stay quiet any longer. I can't just walk around like I was, but I've been changed by the power and the presence of God. I'm not woeing anybody. I've been woed. I've been stopped by the power of God and filled with his presence and now I'm ready to leave here and do what God has called me to do. He never saves us just to hang on till we can just barely make it. That was the thing I was taught as an early kid. Just hold the fort. Hold the fort. Stay in the church so we don't get affected by the world. 
No, we're supposed to bust out the doors and be a change modem for the world. I love in Acts where it said the disciples, they turned their world upside down. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden businesses at 10, 20 in the morning would begin to stop business for one minute and go, whoa, just a minute. We got to pray for one minute. All the tellers, all the bank, all, everybody, just stop. We got to pray. Wouldn't it be great if the whole town stopped at 10, 20 and a whole town began to cry out to God, God, move, not in somebody else, but change me. Change me. Hallelujah. Holy God, Holy Spirit, fill this house. We need to quit. We need to quit taking selfies. We're in a selfie generation, aren't we? Quit taking selfies and begin to start taking, flip the camera around and take a picture of God being reflected in my life. Hallelujah. We need to be there and get fired up. Get the God of kings, Lord, in our lives today. God is to reflect it. We're to be imitators. Light up the darkness. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you seen God lately? Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.